Thank you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. Y'all really thought y'all were coming to see Beth more, didn't you? But I'm sorry. It's not. <clears throat> anyway, I just I grew up in a home where my mother took us to church. Um, my dad never went to church with us. And that's, I think, uncommon for one parent to stay faithful in that. And she did. Um, to this day, I could probably count on one hand how many times my dad has sat foot in church. Um, he was very verbal, verbally abusive um, growing up. Um, and that was hard. Um, I just thought that's just how life was supposed to be. <clears throat> he is a different person now. I don't, and I think that's just part of how God heals us because I don't think, like, I can have a good relationship with him and I don't think about that anymore. Um, and I guess I just, I'll say this first. A lot of what I'm going to say tonight, um, just you'll see how healing has come through each thing. Everyone has been hurt. Um, we all have wounds, but wounds heal. Most of them will leave a scar, but those scars don't hurt forever. And I actually thought of that myself. I didn't read it in anything. I was telling somebody that last week, and then I called them back. I was like, what was that I just said so I can write that down? <laughs> I was like, that sounds good. Um, after graduation, I was pretty much did what I was supposed to through school. I wasn't really a bad kid. Um, I got in trouble for talking all the time, and that was all. Yeah. <laughs> but after graduation, after high school, I just... I wanted something different. I was always the one that hung out with the youth group on the weekends, and I just I wanted something different. So I had gotten connected with a childhood friend that was living in Taylor's and moved in with them, and that's where I met Ray. He was actually, um, we used to always laugh. People would be like, well, what did you do before you um, was an aircraft mechanic? We would say he was in pharmaceutical sales. <laughs> He was who we bought our drugs from, so um, that was how he and I had gotten together. We dated for about two years, and my family had never met him, um, and we actually got married one summer on August the 20th while my family was at the beach. Our, um, at the time, youth pastor's wife, they're my kids' godparents, she came to find me. She had heard that I was getting married, and she had already called a big group of ladies to have this intercession meeting for me because they heard we were getting married. And she came to me. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what are you doing? Because <laughs> she hunted me down, but they just wasn't going to talk me out of it. I still did it anyway. So that was a shock for my mom to get called that her daughter had gotten married to someone she had never met while they were on at the beach. So that happened in 1997. In 19, in February of 98, I had started going back to church a few months before that, and Ray had just gotten worse at his sales that he had been doing. Um, 
he had started that in high school before I had met him. It had gotten worse. It had turned into a really bad addiction. And I was just, I just couldn't do it anymore. I was tired of eating eggs to eat all the time. I mean, you can only fix eggs so many ways <laughs> till you just can't do it anymore. Um, I just told him, I said, I can't do it anymore. He had traded our car one time for crack, um, jewelry, vacuum cleaner, <laughs> Because he was like, it's here somewhere. I'm like, the vacuum cleaner is not here. I can, you know. <laughs> so he had told me that the car had gotten stolen when he had went into a gas station to um, to pay for gas. And he had came out since he had left the keys in there and it was gone. And later, I actually didn't find out what really happened to it till years later when he, he had gotten saved sharing the testimony. And I looked over at the lady beside me and I was like, what car is he talking about? <laughs> and so... <laughs> From that point on, he had to tell me everything that he was sharing first so that I wasn't <laughs> shocked when I found out. So so on February the 8th, that morning, he had came home, and he had been out all night. And I just said, I can't do this anymore. You're going to have to leave because um, we were in a place that my family had bought for us. And I said, you're just going to have to leave. He said, I just can't do it anymore either. And I said, okay, well, you're either going to go to church with me or I'm taking you somewhere to have you admitted. We had seen people be admitted to places and they come out worse than what they went in. And so he said he would go to church. Well, that morning, by the time church time came, he everything had worn off and he didn't go. I didn't say anything. So then that night, I just said, I'm not playing he had saw where I had been calling some places. So he went, and when um, the choir at the church started singing Let the Veil Down and the Praise Go Up, he just couldn't take it anymore, and he went down. And from that night on, there was no withdrawals. He was completely saved and delivered. Um, and so we just had a different life from then on out. He was not really raised in church, but he was the most... I've never met in my life anybody that had wisdom like he did. And Jennifer will tell you that, and Brittany. Um, and he would tell you what he thought, and if you would like it, or you just, you didn't. He didn't care. He was not trying to impress anybody. Um, well, then we started trying to have children, and... I beat myself up about it. I was like, it's because of how we sinned, and this is why, you know, I'm not being, we're not being able to get pregnant, and we started doing infertility testing, and they couldn't really ever pinpoint anything. He was fine. It was me, but they couldn't pinpoint a certain thing that it was. <clears throat> so we decided to do a few steps, and we did six treatments of husband insemination, which he loved that I was making him do that. <laughs> So he's like, this is really embarrassing. <laughs> so I'm like, sorry. So after that point, that still nothing would ever take. Um, and they couldn't figure out why. So they just said, you're just going to have to do um, the next step, which was insemination. Not insemination, but my brain, my brain just let me. Yes, in vitro. Thank you. <laughs> and... At that time, they've changed all of that now, but it was a 50-50 chance. You didn't get half your money back like you do now. 
And I just wasn't willing to go through that. I was tired. This had been going on for years. I had been going this emotional roller coaster. I was tired of getting stuck with shots. I was just done with it. So we just decided to go ahead and adopt because my husband was also adopted. Well, we had um, a little boy by the name Eric. His name was Eric, and he was in my husband's Sunday school class. He was in a foster home in the church that we attended. DSS had agreed for us to apply for him, and he would come home with us on the weekends. Um, he just re- he actually favored me. A lot of people when we were out, he thought that he was my child. DSS decides after months and months they're going to move him to New Hampshire where he was from with a family that had his half-sibling. How he had gotten to South Carolina is his mother had ran, fled the state, and she had gotten caught, um, and so that he just had stayed here. Well, they decided that they were going to move him. Later, a few months later, the um, foster mom who was going to adopt him calls, and she just said, I had to know who y'all were. He talks about y'all all the time. He had given her our phone number, and she said, he's just not happy here. We got in touch with the guardian at Lightham. We thought they were going to move him back, and then they didn't. And then later we find out he got adopted by another family. The dad and he never could jive, and so they sent him on to be with someone else. That was very heartbreaking. Um, Although he was in the fourth grade, it was like I had miscarried. Um, Then we had a little Leah. Um, she was a prison baby in our church, and um, we would had gotten connected with the family, and they said, she's going to sign over, and we think y'all would be a great family to get her. So we got her every weekend. When I would get off at work on Fridays at 1, I would go straight to pick her up, and she would spend the whole weekend with us. Um, that Christmas, she spent the entire two weeks that Ray and I were off for Christmas with us. And after months, almost a year, they decided they wanted to keep her. Um, so they and that was another crush. Um, I was just like, you've got to be kidding. What is going on here? And that caused a lot of hard feelings between us and that family. Um, and they were older. So I was like, why are they doing this? They're old enough to be your grandparents. And... I didn't want to go to church anymore because I didn't want to see them. It was just very, very hard. Um, and to this day, she's in the sixth grade this or seventh grade, seventh grade. Yeah, sixth grade this year. Her and Pe- my friend Peggy, um, daughter, are friends now. But when she see me at school, she would hug me. I mean, she knows who I am and everything. So her and um, mom and I are we're good now. So. That is another thing that God healed that relationship because that was very hard for me to know that I, I mean, she had a room at our house, clothes and everything. That was very hard to pack away those things because it was like I had buried a child. So we finally just decided just to get on DSS's list without somebody trying to (laughs) help line us up with a certain child. And we had been waiting almost a year and we were at the point where we were just very frustrated and we were tired of waiting. And so we had begun the paperwork with Bethany Adoption Agency. We had sent in the first few forms. <coughs> Excuse me. 
And I was at work. Ray was at home. It was during Christmas break. He always got two weeks off for Christmas because they would shut down, which made it very hard for me to get up and go to work when he's laying in the bed. <laughs> um, he called, and he's like, what are you doing? You know, and I, whatever I was doing. He's like, well, just very nonchalantly. DSS called, and they um, want to know if we can go pick up this baby tomorrow from the hospital. Um, you think you might be interested? <laughs> well, <laughs> nah. Um, so, ended up, he was born five weeks early, they think. She had never had treatment, so they were going by his gestational age. Um, and he was addicted, or not addicted, he was tested positive for two of the three drugs that she had in her system. So, his oxygen was dropping and so they decided to keep him in NICU for a week and they told us we could go up there and see him in the nursery well, we go to the hospital to see him the nurse they have not communicated that with the the hospital so we get there they can't let us in so I did not see this child until we went and picked him up to bring him home he was four and a half pounds um, and this is the little beautiful brown blue-eyed boy that you see running around now that weighs 99 pounds and he's eight years old. <laughs> um, you would have never thought that he had any drugs in his system. He had no addictions, um, no withdrawals or anything. He was really the best baby you could have ever asked for. He started sleeping all night as soon as we could let him. He was so small, though, we had to wake him up every two hours to feed him. I had to set a timer because I like to sleep um, for us to be able to do that. Faith is laughing at me. <laughs> so we were able to close his adoption within the year. His mom just, he was the third baby. And with every baby, she came in, had them, and wanted to leave then, but they had to make her stay overnight. So everything was pretty much clean cut with him. <clears throat> then Miss, um, well, before her, sorry. We got another call a couple years later. They had a baby that was underneath the Daniel Law where they get dropped off at the hospital, and it's clean cut. They brought us in to give us the review, and he had had several brain bleeds, and something just didn't look right about his pictures. Of course, I didn't see it. So Ray said for us to think about it. We go home and think, he's like, I just don't think this is our baby. I was so furious at him. I was like, I cannot believe you told them no. Um, later we find out he had a lot of um, issues, heart, I mean, hole in his heart. It was a lot of issues that probably we wouldn't have had the capability to care for him like he needed to be. So he ended up going to a family that, that did, was able to provide that. So about a month after that, they called us and said they had a nine-and-a-half-month-old baby and wanted to know if we were interested in her. So we went, and he first he sat me down. He's like, are you sure this is what you want to do? I'm like, yes. So we go in to get her, and, of course, I don't get to hold her first. He grabs her, and he's like, she smells so good. I'm like, well, get, let me hold her, and I'll tell you if she smells good. <laughs> um. And they were telling us her name was Morgan, and then, so we were calling, and they're like, no, her name's not Morgan, Morgan, her name's Jordan. I was like, how is you, Jordan and Morgan sound nothing alike. 
and that the mom was pregnant and would be having another baby in July. Jordan was going to turn one in June. And we, they wanted us to take her too. Well, after about a month and a half, Samuel was still adjusting to not being an only child anymore. And she, we had an adjustment with her because her foster parents still had her on a bottle. She was on no food. So her bottle was her pacifier and she slept in the bed with them. So it was a very rough adjusting. So we just decided that it would probably be better that we didn't push her to the back burner that quickly. So we thought they were going to take her from us because we weren't going to take the sibling, but they decided not to do that. Her adoption took a little bit longer because mom wanted to fight it, but she didn't want to do any of her treatment plans. They would have to come get her from preschool to take her for visits, and she would cry. She didn't want to leave um, from the teachers. It was very... Most of the time after they would get her in Wahala, the mother wouldn't show. So it was just a very, I'm sure Miss Valerie can tell you, that period can be very traumatic when you know that they don't want to go. Um, so we were able to finalize hers. It took a little bit longer. Um, about a year and a half later, we had to fight really hard with them. Um, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm losing my train of thought. If y'all get bored, y'all can just stand up and walk out. No. <laughs> um, well, Ray started having some issues. He got pneumonia and was in the hospital. While he was there, they found out that his gallbladder was bad. So he ended up having to have gallbladder um, the day before Christmas Eve in 2009. He was still having issues, and they finally found out that he also had a disc that was messed up in his back close to where his tailbone is. He was out of work for about eight months. That was combined with them trying to figure out what was going on. Because, you know, if they can't figure out, they just or keep ordering tests. A lot of times I think they know what's going on, but they just want to keep sending you somewhere else. <laughs> exactly, taking your money. <laughs> um, so... In the course of this time, because where they couldn't figure out what was going on, they had him on on pain medicine because he was in excruciating pain like 24-7. And he worked on airplanes, so laying flat on his back would hurt. He just couldn't ever get comfortable. So in May of 2010, he had back surgery, which was the worst recovery that I have ever seen anybody in my life have to go through. I thought I was going to have to move him somewhere. <laughs> it was awful. Um, that was in 2010. Um, and on, let me backtrack, I'm sorry. The morning that we were going to his surgery, he looked at me on the way and he said, I need you to be ready, he said, because something's fixing to change. And I was like, what? And he said, because he was a very, he took every word of being the spiritual leader of our house to, I mean, he did, he did that. Um, he said, you're going to have to step into my place for a little bit. And I was like, well, why? And he saw things in the spirit all the time, which was very frustrating for me at times. Literally, because he would see good things and bad things. 
there he there was an angel that would always he said stand in my our kids room there was one that was stand in our bathroom in our bedroom and i would get frustrated because i couldn't see it so then i would think well am i not spiritual i mean i would get woken up in the middle of the night with him screaming because there's something in our house trying to attack us and then he thinks i'm gonna be able to go back to sleep after we've prayed <laughs> um he had said one time there was a dark angel that would keep trying to walk around our house and because they knew they couldn't touch us. And it would just get very frustrating. I was like, I don't see what you're talking about. He's like, I know you think I'm crazy. I'm like, no, I don't think you're crazy. I just don't see what you're talking about. And it's very frustrating for me. So when he was telling me this this morning, that morning on the way to the hospital, he said, you're going to have to step into my place for a little bit. You're going to have to step into the, the spiritual leader because I see something coming. I was, so I honestly had this feeling that he was not going to come out of surgery because of how sincere he was. I thought that we would probably lose him during surgery. Um, but we didn't. And that was the second time that he had had surgery that when the nurse had called me back, they would ask me if he traveled for work. And I said, yes he does and she said well does he speak like asian no an asian language and i was like no well he would wake up speaking in his prayer language and i was like oh lord it's <laughs> like no he doesn't <laughs> so <laughs> it can be <laughs> But when they're looking at you like you're crazy when you're saying he doesn't speak another language. Um, so he was in the hospital for several days, and we just could not get his pain under control whatsoever. But I still was not understanding what this was that he saw that was coming, and so I basically just pushed it to the back burner. That was in 2010. Well, in 2012, he just, the beginning of that year, he just said, I cannot do this anymore. He said, I am tired of going to the pain doctor, him not wanting to do anything but keep me on this medicine. I want to know if I can tolerate this pain alone. So he tried several times to stop. When your body is used to taking something, you can't just stop it. Um, it really does affect things. And he would get sick, and he couldn't function at work being sick like that. He even had the doctor put him on a morphine patch at one time, and he did not rem I could not put it on him without putting gloves on. Um, and he said, I can't do this. He did not remember driving from work to the doctor's office for them to take him off of that and put him back on a pill because he was just too much. And I was like, that's nice that you drove there um, like that. They just did not want to help him at all. They did MRIs after MRIs, and they every time it's just nerve damage. It's probably either from before the surgery or after the surgery. So in March, we checked his insurance, and he said, I think it'd just probably be good um, that I go somewhere and see if they can help me get off of this medicine, help me with the withdrawals so that... I can just see if I can tolerate the pain. I want you got you guys to know a lot of people don't know this part that I'm sharing. Um, we have kind of kept it a secret um, because Ray didn't want.
people to know where he was going. He was embarrassed about it because he was a very godly man. People knew that. I had seen him pray for people in Bilo and then walk out of Bilo not using crutches. Um, he and he struggled with why can I do that and I can't do it myself, you know, for myself. So a lot of people, this part that I'm sharing, they don't know exactly how things happen, and I have kept that um, too for the for my children because he didn't not. Him not wanting people to know where he was, I don't think that my children really need to know the details of things right now. So we checked his insurance and we found a place that he could go to. So he went in on, I took him on a Wednesday. Um, and when I took him there and I went to leave, he was so broken. I have never seen him cry like he was crying. And he did not want to let go of me. And I looked in, when I looked in his eyes, I was like, he knows something that I do not know. And he had been doing a lot of studying um, prior to him going there, just about how things were changing in the, the world, the government. He really kind of had me scared to death because I'm a warrior. And I just told him, I was like, you've got to stop talking to me about this stuff because I can't handle it. He was like, we may, if we have a blackout and I, if the computer systems shut off from the, <laughs> if the computer system shut off from the car, I will get home as quick as I can. You get the kids and go underneath the house. I'm like, what? <laughs> He's take the gun with him. I'm like, I don't know how to shoot the gun. What do you want me to do with the gun? So I just was like, he knows something that I don't know and he's just not telling me. He just did not want to let me go that day. Well, that Thursday night, um, Pastor Terry and I, because Pastor Terry and I were the only ones and my friend, my best friend that lived in Virginia were the only people that knew where he was at. Um, his family didn't even know. He had told the kids that he was going away for a few days to spend some time with the Lord and that he would see them in a few days. So that Thursday night when we got there, he was really sick. Um, he was at, he was throwing up pretty good. And we prayed with him, and Terry left. He stayed about 30 minutes, Pastor Terry did, and then he left us there alone. And he was just so sick. I actually didn't stay, but maybe 15 more minutes. Um and I was just like, well, I'll see you Sunday, um, because that was the next time that I could go visit. They could get up and call, um, but they didn't have a phone in their room. So that Saturday, I had the worst feeling just all day. And I called to check on him, He because did, I didn't hear from him Friday. He was sick all day. So I called that Saturday, and I was like, well, I was calling to check on Danny, to see how he's doing. She's like, he's still in the bed really sick. He's dehydrated. Um, I was like, okay, well, tell him that I called. I still didn't hear from him. Well, we go to play at the church that my kids' godparents pastor. They were having an Easter play that Saturday night and that Sunday morning. This play was about a lady, an elderly lady in a nursing home who had touched a lot of people's lives. And she passed away in the in the play. Well, they have a funeral scene, and they wheel in a casket. And my heart fell down to my stomach. I was like, no. I just had this feeling. 
And so that night, I call back after we get back, and I call to check on him again. And she's like, he never got up, but somebody's going to have to encourage him or he's going to get blood clots. I said, well, if you would let me come see him. <laughs> um, but they wouldn't. I couldn't until t- the, ne- the following day. Well, I woke up that next morning at 5 o'clock. I still had that sick feeling in my stomach that something was not right. So I called, and I said, I was just calling to check to see how Danny was doing, if he got up to eat supper. Um, She's like, Miss Small, and I'm not exaggerating, this is exactly how she talked, Miss Small, I'm sorry, but he was found unresponsive, I called at 5.30, Um, and we'll have to call you back. I said, um... Okay, well, where do I need to meet y'all at? Because when we went in, we signed paperwork that if he got sick, he would be transported to the closest hospital, which would have been the New Greer Hospital. We'll have to call you back. Like, okay. So then I'm like, who do I call? Nobody knows where he is. Um, My kids' godparents did know. I told them, although I wasn't supposed to because I needed help getting my son to ball practice that night I went to see him. And since my parents didn't know where he was, I couldn't say, can you take Samuel to ball practice? Because then I would have been, well, why can't you take him? Um, So I did call my mom, and I was like, you need to get over here. So she gets over there, and then I call my friend Melissa, my kid's godmother, and she comes over. So when they get there, I'm telling them, I'm telling my mom where he is, I'm doing this backtracking. And so we're like, well, and I called Terry, and he didn't answer the phone for a while. <laughs> so then he calls back, and I'm telling him where he, what's happened. So Melissa said, let's just drive over there. And I said, okay. So we get in the car, and we're on 85. And I said, I'm just going to call back and see where I need to meet him. So I call back. By this time, it was probably after 6.30, almost 7, because it was already daylight. I said, can you give me an update of what's going on? And she said, Miss Small, we are working with him, and we will have to call you back. I said, um, how about I'm on my way? <laughs> and I'm almost there in my pajamas, but I'm on my way. So we get there, and we pull in, and Melissa said, what are all these police cars doing here? And I was like, I have no idea. There was probably 10 or 15 Granville County cars there. Um. So we walk in, and I tell him who I am, and she says, just have a seat. We'll be with you in a second. So I sit down, and um, the somebody, I don't know who she was, she came out and got us, and when she takes us in this room, there is a Greenville County investigator standing there, a Greenville County coroner, um, the nursing director, and somebody else. And I knew something was going on at that point. And they were like, can you have a seat? We can talk to you a minute. So I sit down, and I just said, just tell me what's going on. Um, at this point, I was mad because nobody had called me, um, and nobody wanted to give me any information. I was very mad. So they said that he, they had went in to check on him, and he was fine. And then when they went back in to go and do um, medicine rounds, he was found unresponsive. And 
they did not have any machine there to do anything, so they just did like CPR, normal CPR, and they were able, unable to do anything. So the reason why all the cops were there was because this never happens and they were treating it as a criminal investigation to see if someone had done something. Um, they were interviewing the roommate, all the nursing staff. Um, so I said, well, can I please just get his journals? So in his Bible and his personal things. Well, it'll be just a minute. We have to go clean him up and then we'll get it for you. Do you want us to just mail it to you? I said, no, I'll just wait right here while you go get that. Um, so his, he had taken this journal with him because he couldn't take anything with the spiral things on it. But he also had a journal that they gave him there that they wanted him to notate all his medical stuff, how he was feeling, because those things would be turned over to the doctor. Well, they, all they brought back was this journal and his Bible. This will tell you all a little bit about him. This is what his Bible looks like. Um, I said, um, there's another journal. They said, no, that's all. I was like, no, there's another journal. Well, needless to say, nobody ever found that other journal. The hospital staff did not know what I was talking about, um, but there was not another journal. Um, I still say to this day that there was a journal because I've seen it and it got, it disappeared before the police got there. Um, so they brought this to me and they said, well, would you like to see him? And I said, I think so, because um, I want to make sure that it's who y'all are telling me is not with us anymore. At this point, PT had gotten there also. And so they said, well, he doesn't look like him. I said, okay. So PT got to be the lucky one to go and verify he was okay with that. He said he was. I don't know if he wasn't. He didn't tell me. So they had moved him into another room, and he came back, and he said, he's very blue, but if that's what you want to do, we're going to go with you. And so I said, well, I think I just need to, I need to go see for myself. So I had Melissa on one side and Terry on the other side, and we were walking down this hallway, and we get to the, I'm thinking that they're going to have him in this room turned, like, sideways. But we get there, and, like, he's in the middle of this room, and his feet's facing the doorway. I walked in close enough to see that it was him, and then I just turned around. I couldn't do it anymore. I did not want to remember him that way. I did not want to remember him not looking like him. So we left and went home. They couldn't release the body. I couldn't make any arrangements or anything because the investigation was going on. But I just wanted to read. He made two journal entries while he was there. On March the 28th, day one, he said, I see that it all needs to change, so that's why I'm here. We need to break free from all things that set us up away from God. I've been taking four to eight oxycodone a day, which was prescribed that way by a doctor. <laughs> and I'm tired of it. 
So now I'm here to detox because it makes you so sick, I just have to quit. God is with me here. I couldn't do it without him. I love you, Father. On the next day, he had written down the type of medicine that they had him on. This would have been on Thursday before I got there. He said, I slept okay with help from Lanesta. I do have a slight headache and a little back pain. God is greater than all things. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I still left there so shocked because we had went to this place for help. And he didn't come home from that. And that's not what we, you know what we had planned to do I look back on it and I think he knew though Um, I think that was what he was referring to the morning of his back surgery several years before and I think that's why he was the way he was the morning that I dropped him off Um, any other time on a Sunday we would have not gotten up for church yet I have to look at it as it was ordained that way because the kids and I would have found him. Would I still be able to sleep in my bed knowing that he was there and that's where he passed away? Um, to this day, I still have never received a phone call from the facility that he was at. Um, I just think they didn't know how to handle it because that's not, people just don't pass away there. Once they did um, the autopsy, we went in for the review, and it was this about this thick. My dad is very good friends with the Granville County Coroner. When they realized who I was, they did a very intensive autopsy because at the end of their investigation, they could not show that anybody had did anything that they weren't supposed to. Um, His autopsy showed that he had heart disease, which we didn't know about because nobody ever checked his heart through all the trouble that he was having. Um, So they said that he had a heart attack. My family still says that I should have pursued legal action. But what good would that have done? It wouldn't have brought him back. It would have been a drug out case that would have lasted for years. I didn't see that it was worth it. Um, I look back and I see how the Lord has healed my wounds. We talked about, I said, mentioned that in the beginning. I still have scars from that, but they don't hurt as bad as they did. Um, my children still ask about him. Jordan even came in yesterday after Jesse left. I was like, what's the matter? She's like, I just want to talk to Daddy. So I still get that. But I can sleep now. I had months and months of insomnia, and that is the worst thing in the world, as Jennifer can tell you. <laughs> um, because then you walk around like a zombie all the time. Because you can't go to sleep, you're tired, but your body will not. My dog never barked before, and she would just stand at my closet and bark. And that'll make you feel really safe. Um, 
it's it still hurts, but I know that lives were saved through him. Um, he was very adamant about we cut the TV off at 8 o'clock at night and we went into another room and we prayed and we read the Bible. Our kids had to pray too. Um, it was not a lay me down to sleep. He wanted to make sure. And if you ask them now what's something that their daddy reminds them, what do they remember about their daddy? And they will tell you praying and football. <laughs> um, what an awesome legacy, I mean, that, that he has left. I seen a difference in him when he got connected with a church in Georgia. It's called Northgate. Um, just the way he ministered from that point on, it was just, it was just, I can't describe it. They do outreach conferences all the time. I suggest, highly recommend you look the, look the calendar up. They had came to a church and did a conference in Anderson, and he's like, you have to go. So he kept the kids and I went, and I get stuck with the, the main pastor. <laughs> it's just the two of us, and I'm not a door-to-door knocking person. He used to get so aggravated at me because I would knock on the door, and then I would move because I did not want them looking at me through the peephole. Because you look funny through the peephole. Do you not? <laughs> I mean... He was like, you can't move. They can't see who you are. And I'm like, I don't want them to see me. <laughs> that was his thing. It's not my thing. <laughs> but I got stuck with, with the, the and he remembered, he knew who Ray was. And I was like, this is not a coincidence that I'm getting paired up with you, is it? <laughs> and so we went and ministered. And I mean, and it was awesome. And he was like, now you pray. And I'm like, really? You pray. <laughs> Um, it was a great experience. It really was. Um, but I just seen him just, he got such a passion for people after that in a way that he never had before. He was like, we can pray for people, Karen, without shaking them in the floor. And I'm like, awesome. <laughs> and he would. I mean, when he would pray for those people in Bilo, or he did not care. He would just say a simple prayer, hug them, walk away. Um, my kids are still having a really hard time, but they also, like, every person that I talk to, they ask me, when are we getting married? They want me to get married really bad. My son has asked people to spend the night with us before. He had to explain to him that adults don't have people spend the night with him. Um... He just wants me to get married really bad. Um, I do currently have a friend boy, is what we're calling him, and he asks all the time, are y'all getting married? Can he come spend the night? No, he cannot, and no, we're not. Um, no, 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 and no. A few weeks ago, my friend from Virginia called, and she's like, I had a dream, and he was praying with very much authority. Um, I was like, okay, it's good. <laughs> you know, she's like, well, I just want to tell you, it was like really weird. I was like, okay. Well, then Brittany was at my house when I got that text, and then like 15 minutes later, he texts me. He's like, I had a dream last night about um, that we went to go see Ray. 
I said, okay. He said, it was really weird. I don't know if we went back in time or if we went into heaven. He said, because there was another you, a younger you, so that's why I'm not sure. He said, but it was like we went there for approval. And Ray was shaking his head and smiling. He said, and I woke up very peaceful. I didn't wake up like something was wrong. So I was like, okay, well, that's kind of weird, but okay. Well, then... A friend of mine, she comes a few weeks and helps me clean because people feel sorry for me because I'm so busy with my kids on the road all the time. She had came over, and she was getting ready to start cleaning, and um, she said, so how's things going? And I said, they're good. She said, how's the relationship? And I was like, well, it's not Facebook official, so <laughs> we're good. Um. And she said, well, I'm going to move over here and start dusting your curios so that um, I want to talk to you a minute. And I don't want you to start crying because I'll probably start crying. I said, did you have a dream? She said, yes, I did. I said, really? I was joking, but she, she said, no, I really did. She said, it was really weird. That's like what everybody has said at first. It was really weird. <laughs> she said, but you and this other guy, and I couldn't see his face, were coming to meet Lee and I. Her husband's name is Lee. But y'all had the kids with you, but you and this guy was holding hands. And I said, okay. And she said, well, Ray was on the other side of you. And I said, okay. And she said, well, I'm not really sure what it meant. I'm not one that has dreams and they mean something. She said, but I could hear him. I could see him. She said, and I just remember waking up. It was like, what in the world? Because that was so real. She said, so on the way over here, I prayed, and I asked God to just show me what that dream meant. And she said, I just helped, just heard the Lord saying that it was confirmation that everything's okay, that Ray is always with you, and that he approves of what you're doing, and you're doing fine. So then I called my friend in Virginia, and I told her, and she's like, well, I didn't want to tell you, but Ray was in my dream too. <laughs> She said, but I didn't want you to get upset. I was like, okay. She's like, but when, she said, but in the dream when was praying, Ray was standing behind him. She said, I don't know if he was either praying for him or with him. And she said, but it was like y'all were trying to get approval from him. So I was, I was like, okay, this is weird. <laughs> three dreams from three different people who have not talked in two, in two days. Okay, I, I feel like I've gotten confirmation that I'm doing okay. But all things hurt, and I will always, he is always going to be here, but it's just awesome to know how the Lord has carried me all through my, out my life, from the verbal abuse from my dad, from how I strayed away from the Lord and got into things that I shouldn't have gotten in, the hurt from not being able to carry children, and even my, um, the kid's grief counselor, she said, do you regret now? like adopting since he passed away and I said no because if I had adopted or not the situation would not have changed though that's their dad it bothered me at first because I like they're orphans again but God corrected me on that he's heal he is still healing me even now I've had a really hard time trying to find out where I belong because I always supported him in what he did. But And when we were on staff together, I was with him, but he was the main one. The things that we did were, were his callings. And I've had a really hard time this past year and a half just where do I fit in at. 
because I'm not necessarily feel called to do the things that he was called to. And uh, the Lord has just shown me that that's okay. I'm not him. I'm me. And it's okay for me not to... Tr- I don't need to stress myself out so much trying to do exactly what he did. Um, but And I was. I felt like that I needed to do that. Um, but I just feel like that the Lord is just... He's helping carry me through this. No, I'm not getting married. I may not even like this guy next month. Who knows? Um, I just know that it's okay for life to move on at this point, and everything is going to be okay. But just remember that whatever you're going through, you do get wounds, but it's okay. Those scars don't hurt forever.